Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the Loose Threads podcast. I am your co-host Alfie. And I'm your co-host Julie and we're here to get into it. We are here. The latest episode of this transatlantic fashionable podcast endeavor experiment project. Whatever name you want to call it. Extreme. 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 X Games. The fashion X Games. Yeah. The fashion audio battle royale. Yeah, yeah, that, that'll do some numbers. People love battle royales. Exactly. See how many games there are. Exactly. God. Fortnite Balenciaga. Archive versus modern fashion fight? No, I'm kidding. Oh my god. Painful. So, Painful moves. Archive fashion, what even is it? What even is it? What is it? Is that? What is it? What is it what the not? the heck is that? Where did it come from? Where's it going? Where's it at right now? Yes. Why is it there? Who? Who? Who is the archive fashion? <laughs> These are all questions that are not going to be answered today. But we might answer maybe, a couple of them, but no guarantee. Maybe discuss. Okay, so archive fashion is a really interesting one. I feel like this is kind of my like if I want to pick like a kind of hyperfixation or like a real niche topic <laughs> in fashion, this is going to be one of them for sure. But yeah, I actually went. I went to a really cool event literally just last night, kind of like around the world of archive fashion, which was really fun. A word. I went to a uh, a magazine launch up in Hackney in London um, by William Wright, who founded Zero Cool Archive, um, and also this this the kind of magazine was called Street Flash. But it's mm. so hard to describe. I think I'd say the best way to describe what he does is kind of he is really inspired by kind of old Japanese subcultural fashion mags. So like Fruits Magazine is one of the biggest ones um, that people probably would have heard of, like on the podcast. And he kind of takes that street flash photography style and then takes it to kind of contemporary London subcultures, so especially kind of around like goth, emo, rave, punk, um, mm. but also like archive um, and collectors and stuff. And it's just incredible. Like you should check him out on Instagram if you don't know him. He's pretty big. He's got like 40,000 followers, but um, mm -hmm. it's just zero cool archive, one word. Yeah, all one word, um, all spelled out. Exactly, exactly. And he's got like, He's got a few zines out now, um, but the one for last night was mostly his Street Flash one, and also with Hysteric Snap, who's a really cool photographer in London as well. Kind of archivist, like what these what these people do, which is really nice and such an important part of the archive space, is kind of like preserving history of subcultures. It's it's like seeing the photos from the eighties and stuff, you know, like someone had to take it, someone had to get out there and take those photos and preserve them, and this guy's just doing that for the modern era, and I think there's a lot more to capture. So there's it's good that there's more people getting into this stuff to cover it all. Well, yeah, exactly, exactly, and 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 it's what's amazing about them is the fact that they are kind of preserving subcultures, like they are scanning these zines from like thirty, forty years ago that they yeah. found in like little shops in Tokyo, as well as also saying like, hey, these subcultures still exist and they just exist in the back streets of Harajuku. They're here in London as well. Like, it's a really cool thing to see. So yeah, um, also at Hysteric Fashion on Instagram too is like another one of the people who was at the zine launch. But it was really awesome, and it was kind of crazy to see because I don't know about you, but like. Some of the subcultures that they're documenting, kind of like Lolita-style fashion, like scenecore and stuff like that, is kind of a style mm -hmm. that I thought would have died out 10, 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Harajuku thing, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. It's like just gone on forever. But yeah, I, I think it's a it's like Y2K's coming back, and I see the Lolita, Lolita stuff. I uh, used to be advertised that on, uh, on Tumblr a lot. It was like, buy this, buy that. And I'm like, I'm not interested in all of these frilly made clothing that's probably made pretty cheaply with, with labor i don't even know um yeah, but obviously not every true. not everything is like that it's just the things that advertised to me were, were that kind of nature 
but um mm. in general it's it's a pretty interesting it, it's maximalism to its extreme and yeah. i think you yeah, you can yeah. you can take like bike streamers and wrap them in your hair and that counts and that's great and people are yeah. like wow where'd you get that hair piece and it's like i just found some freaking streamers man yeah, they thrift and kind of do individual style with it so much. It's so impressive. Oh, actually. yeah. When, when you look, especially all of the accessories they put on at once, if you realize just how long it takes. I mean, I, I saw a photo of a girl, um, like, as and part of the Just the hair, scene. man. Oh, and my just God. just the hair. She had, like, I think, I want to say, like, 20 to 30 kind of hair clips and objects, like, wow. all pinned in her hair, let alone all the makeup and the necklace. I'm just tired thinking about it. Rising. Like, it must take hours and hours to get it ready. But the effect is this this incredible look, like, really incredible. Yeah, I agree. It it it, uh, it gives you like an editorial look. Yeah, it gives you that that kind of vibe where everything is made in such a way, like very very well cultured and well cared for. But but these people just wear it every day. Like yeah, exactly. But my school who will change who she has like very long right very long dreadlocks and she changes the color every single week. She'll just like dye it a whole different color. And I'm like, I don't know how how healthy that is for your hair, but you mm -hmm. know whatever. At this point, if if it's if it's dealt with it this long, it'll be just fine doing it again so it's uh oh it was gosh. really cool to see that but she she embodies that kind of vibe and she like shaved yeah. her eyebrows and put pearl, pearls in the place of her eyebrows oh, like different sizes well that, that's next level yeah wow okay. right like they're wow. cut in half i don't they're probably meant for this kind of thing but uh for like face yeah. makeup but but she took them and made them her eyebrows she's like they're my eyebrows now and i'm like that's amazing very oh cool just and I'm sure she was inspired. Like, there's no way you can go a day without seeing something from that kind of like Harajuku style. So yeah, exactly. Um, um, that's interesting. So William Wright, like the Zero Call Archive guy, one of the other zines he had there was um, called Hair Wars. Ooh. And it's literally inspired by I think Japanese Shinjuku magazines of the exact same name. I think it was also called Hair Wars. And he did oh, one wow. like updated for London people who have really crazy haircuts. And some of the stuff in there is absolutely just incredible. I know a couple of people in the zine, and it's just really cool to document it. I feel like London has a real resurgence of crazy hairstyles, like especially kind of mullets and like mullet adjacent stuff. Anyone like listening to the pod is from London, you might know Mullet Baby on Instagram, who is like pioneering and like repopularizing so many absolutely insane haircuts at the moment. And it's like very much in that vein. And it's just really cool to see because, as again, hair is like, I wouldn't say hairstyle is fashion so to speak but it's obviously no, it's adjacent, really, adjacent it's very much adjacent and like inextricably connected to it so it's really cool to see kind of a subcultural magazine just focused on that you know well yeah because you're gonna get your hair done you're gonna be wearing something nice too because otherwise it's like you know the hair is gonna be too cool yeah exactly and the, the clothes are gonna be very plain but i guess you can throw a suit on and have it be very interesting but you know yeah it's all the idea is the same so I guess in general, like speaking on like archive, why are the terms like changed so much from like, you know, people who have, let's say who collect for fun and they get into it on their own accord, but then like TikTok, which is like, it's kind of glorifying it. So it's almost like a trend that people want to hop onto when really a lot of people see it as their like livelihood and their lifestyle. And these people who maybe are getting more into it, have the money to perhaps buy up the things that are being hyped up. So, for example, like on TikTok, you'll go on there and you'll see like people draped in chrome hearts and like, sure, maybe, maybe half of it's fake, but that's not what the point is. The point is that people really want it now. And most people probably assume it's not fake or maybe they, they just have an interest in the brand and don't want to buy fakes or whatever. But because of that, they'll start, you know, kind of searching on these websites for these things that are moderately priced that maybe have been sitting there for a little while that someone who could have been like saving up for it or someone who has a passion for this this brand you know 
you could say any item, someone will value it more than the other person, sure. But they'll they'll keep it, they'll get into it, and then maybe they won't be as interested and it'll just kind of sit there and I guess the cycle will start again. But mm. at that point, the price has already been raised and the item has already been yeah. sought after and the supply is lower than the demand. So, yeah. I think just being in, you know, I don't, I don't want to be like, oh, I'm an insider, I'm an OG or anything. I'm really not, <laughs> I, don't, I don't claim to be. But like, even in the few years that I've been in fashion in general, basically pre-TikTok, when I, when I first got into fashion properly in like 20... <laughs> I got into fashion like 2018, but like properly got into it in like 2019. And mm-hmm. like even then, I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm a I'm an archive insider. But I can see such a dramatic shift in the archive scene since since then, when you know people who would be really excited in, you know, even the people who are into kind of like let's say the most common stuff like archive raffsimons, which I would say I'd say raff is probably like one of the kind of original really hyped archive brands, for example, and like with yeah. almost universal appeal in menswear spaces even then people were kind of going after archive raft and it was quite hype particularly because of you know people like kanye except rocky and things like that so there was definitely oh, yeah. some hype around it but the level has yeah exactly like poltergeist and the autumn winter 03 parkers and like yeah. the, like the riot right riot, riot yeah exactly all of that stuff consumed cargoes literally everything for sure. I mean, these are amazing pieces. I still love them all. I just can't afford any of them. Right. Especially not now. But the thing is, like, with, yeah, even back then, it was hyped and expensive because of, you know, Kanye and Rocky and stuff. Um, interesting kind of side note there. I can't remember his name, but there's an archivist in, I think I think his name's David Casavant, who, again, one of the OG collectors of Archive Raft. And he was buying, like, right, 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 bombers and the Joy Division Parkers and stuff on clearance from Nordstrom for, like, 250 bucks. Because at the time, nobody wanted it. Nobody was interested in it. And he bought it and, and kept it all because he loved Raph. And then, obviously, now some of these pieces go for 10000 I think the Riot Bomber sold for, like, I want to say $40,000 or more. Wow. Grailed wow. As the most expensive ever sale, which is just insane, of course. But... At the time, it wasn't hyped, and then slowly, slowly, it got rarer and rarer. People they respected the backstory and the rarity even more, and the brevity and the hype from rappers, designers. Right. So that's like the baseline for where it was in kind of the mid 2010s, and then you get TikTok and the pandemic, and that took uh-huh. archive fashion to a complete other level, where you have people who are even even vaguely interested in fashion will know about like archive rap and stuff like that, which was just never the case even even five years ago. That's just, it's just maybe like a unique form of gatekeeping, perhaps. I don't know. Not I think sure. it's the anti-gatekeeping, though. I think TikTok is an anti-gatekeep device where people are <laughs> yeah. sharing all of this knowledge and you can kind of learn so much about fashion so, so quickly. I don't think Rick is generally considered super archive but no, Rick yeah. has had a meteoric rise literally because of TikTok, because people will post these TikToks styling Rick Owens, most of it fake, and being like, <sighs> Carty style, destroyed lonely style. Oh my destroyed like lonely that. style. I know, I know. It's painful as fuck. I'm dude, so, but so sad. They boy do it and it with expensive clothing. I know. I know. And it gets popular it's because of that so kind of hard stuff. Being rich. Um no, it honestly it is it is rips the real Full time job. Uh, literally. Full time full time job browsing more, grilled. Mo money, more problems. <laughs> Jesus. Literally. More money, mo archive rough. In the yeah. closet that's gonna like um, they don't even have dust bags <laughs> oh my god oh, yeah, speaking yeah. of dust bags carol christian powell hello oh yes certainly 
Yeah, we can get famous right in. for the beautiful. Yeah, let's jump into Carapace Bro as well. Famous for the beautiful like rice paper bags that all of the jackets and stuff come in. Oh yeah, I bring, I mean, I that's what it is. I, I have bring... one. I didn't know. I didn't know oh, that's fuck. what it was. I... You have CCP? Yeah, yeah. I almost had two pieces, but I have the eggnog bag. Oh. It's the classic eggnog bag. I call it that because it's just eggnog colored, and I got it around Christmas. Maybe like January. Oh, nice. I spent more than I should, but I didn't pay over retail, which is good. I paid under uh, quite a bit. So okay, that's, that's good. That's well, the, the bag itself, people would pay retail for. It's that big square, a big rectangle one. Hmm. The drip bag. It has the drips on it and at the bottom. Oh, fuck. Wow. And it's yellow. You're going to send me a photo. That is exciting. Oh, yeah. I used to wear a couple outfits with it, but I usually go to work in my outfits that I, that I post. So I can't bring that to work. Plus, it's hard to wear. It's a big bag. So I, I have to, like, plan my outfit around it and kind of my day. Okay, just, wow. just a little. I mean, when you close it, it's flat, but then it's super wide. And I'm like, well, shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. this isn't very wearable. But I almost had shoes. They were just too small. So I got them from our everyone's favorite uh, Rick Owens place. Uh, what do you say? The resale is uh, It's Safe Here Archives. If you don't follow them, there's something you need to be doing right now which is looking it up on your phone and following them then coming back to the podcast because uh he is excellent and sells such amazing prices he's based out of china i believe and uh so i got some christian carol polo from him it was too small i return it to him and then he puts the money towards a pair of rick owens uh what is it the fur boots the big tall bozo yeah uh, tractor boots and i have those and i love them and they they oh, are nice. some of my favorite shoes i own so and i got the the boot the original pole shoes would have matched the bag but that's okay that would have been incredible oh, that yeah. would have been so good they were just too i think small. ccp is ccp is one of the brands that's kind of resisted he kind of like tiktok but i think it's well, i think it's precisely point. because of the price point and also because a lot of it isn't super wearable and super stylable. Like you could fit in a raff of bomber jacket or a raff sweater or pair of jeans like relatively easily into your wardrobe. It's gonna be harder to fit in some CCP drip boots into your wardrobe. So when it comes to like Raph Simmons, his stuff is more easily digestible to the American people. So like and people who, who wanna include it into their like daily wardrobe. So of course it's gonna be something Yeah, I mean we spoke about like his collab with well not even collab but kind of creative direction of Calvin Klein's subline in the last episode and how right. that really like a lot of his stuff fits into the sort of i don't want to call it americana but i want to say slightly oversized streetwear style that still in some ways pervades a lot of really popular menswear fashion absolutely um as opposed to kind of the much more tailored structured boxy gothic fit of say ccp stuff and but i still think even then one of the things that uh, that's quite nice about tiktok is there has kind of been i think this reverse gatekeeping almost like gate opening these right. brands now as, as you mentioned earlier that i think there is a case of a lot of people assuming content both in terms of like watching you know their favorite rappers or musicians wear it or watching tiktok videos about it or even buying it without knowing anything about it and without mm. really valuing it for what it is and i don't want to be the, one of those people who's like oh you're wearing an avana t-shirt like name your you're favorite, wearing like, it favorite. wrong <laughs> yeah exactly like oh you're wearing ccp what are your five favorite collections but i don't <laughs> want to be like that because that's that's cringe, but I also think equally it's it's very cringe if you're engaging with these designers who've clearly put a lot of thought into not just the construction of their clothes, but also the meaning behind it, the influences they've drawn on it. And if it's being reduced down to like hashtag cool Playboy shirt. Party style, hashtag, yeah. hashtag Destroy Lonely, hashtag Archive, then it's a bit depressing. And I, I saw a video by, by Fashion Lover 4. Um, Fashion Lover really, really... 4! Fashion Lover 4, amazing YouTuber, like actually really, really good YouTuber. <laughs> 
like fashion analyst, like one of my favorites for sure. And about a month ago, he put out a video called How TikTok and the Pandemic Changed Fashion. And literally, specifically, one of the things he talks about is how Archive went from referring to these select few brands who were considered part of kind of the Archive scene, basically like, I want to say like RAF, Helmets, mm-hmm. Margiela, and maybe right. kind of like some Yoji and Issy as well. The kind of classic brands you'd expect to see at Archive stores. And how it's basically now expanded into just an aesthetic that kind of tons and tons of brands can kind of engage with and try to look like. Which is just like vintage, vintage, expensive. Uh, yeah, but not, not even necessarily vintage. Like some people would say, like, it, have you heard of No Faith, no Faith Studios? Yeah, I've heard of No Faith. No Faith Studios fits so into the quote-unquote archive aesthetic perfectly. But obviously it's not archive, it's modern, relatively, I think, mass-produced clothes. Yeah. But it fits into the sort of like the hashtag archive aesthetic that you see on TikTok. And it's not to say it's bad. So they're taking it and making it more of like a, instead of actually referring to it what it is, they're just sort of making it like a new aesthetic they're going to they're gonna be able to emulate and boil Literally, down it's, and, it's, uh, re- it's become a trend. And if redo. not a trend, then kind of just a general aesthetic. Whereas archive initially referred to, again, like a select handful of brands that were considered to be really interesting for their history and coveted after for their rarity and the meaning behind their collections and their designers intention and i think for it to be reduced down to just an aesthetic is to kind of yeah not give archive the kind of again respect is a bit too cringe for gatekeeping reasons but not to give it the attention and depth that it deserves yeah and, there, and there's probably ways where people get into it and learn about sort of more about it later yeah. um where like i kind of got into it from from like reddit but i started off with uh like some of my first grails were pieces that were vintage like succagen jackets souvenir jackets from japan and i don't think the the place i buy them from is even around anymore but they had a whole store in japan full of like all of these souvenir jackets and i got like one or two from there and and the difference you paid for them like in quality one that's like 500 versus one that's 200 is a lot and the some of the like i'm trying to recreate that kind of feeling but regardless uh i got into it like just through being interested in vintage And then from there, I would see the price of things that I'd be like, okay, why? And I'd look it up and I would learn more from there. And then I determine from that point if I want to move on because it's like, I want to learn more about why I'm paying this price for something. And I don't, I don't have the money to just sit there and just sort of throw it at something I, I don't understand. So I guess the people that do may be devaluing it, but it, it's the same with, with any, you know, once, once a lot of big players get involved, it can kind of remove a lot of the fun. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's nice to see resale being thriving. Cause you know, at least you can say with these people who may not value it the same way, um, they'll just cycle it out and sell it. And then it gives you the ability to, to buy it back and bring it back into the fold, I guess, if you want to call it like that. But, um, it, I think it's a cycle at this point. Yes, and it is. We have to it wait is. it out. Um, for sure. And I think... Again, to kind of come back slightly to, to Fashion Lover 4, I, th- I think his video had this yeah. really interesting graph on it, which I'm going to have a quick look for now, where it kind of talked about how the way in which kind of trend cycles work is basically you have the initial pioneers of a trend or an aesthetic, and then it rises and rises in popularity until it peaks. And then obviously the way trend cycle works is it immediately cuts off. And the few people who are left after the trend cuts off are oftentimes the same people who were there before it got mm. really popular, and then a couple of people who've brought been brought in along the way and genuinely like it and respect it, not just for 
those reasons. Like literally, yeah. So he says it goes from introduction to rise to maturity to decline to obsolescence. But in the in the in the realm of obsolescence, when the the OGs stick around, right. And uh, yeah, I mean, even coming back to like the Zero Call Archive people, the fact that there are still people wearing kind of scene core clothing and emo and goth stuff, even though it basically died out like 10, 15 years ago, is testament to the fact that there are still some hardcore people who genuinely love this subculture and are just doing it for themselves. And I honestly respect it, even if I don't even, again, I, in their case, I don't even really understand the appeal, but they love it and they're, they must put up with a lot of shit to do it. And it's just, it, it, it demands respect. I mean, just the amount of shit you have to put on, like, if you have uh, any sort of, like, issues with, with the putting stuff in your hair or whatever, you're going to have to get over that really fast because it's, or just, you know, definitely doing it for yourself is the biggest thing. And I hope that even though people may not understand exactly all my, like, crazy outfits in real life, because, you know, I say I live in a place that's pretty tame and I'm wearing a lot of really interesting stuff, I hope that they at least respect it. Um, I get a couple compliments, but I think people are just genuinely confused and don't know how to react when you're wearing something from, like, a different country that they're, like, it's just a different silhouette and they're just sort of like, hmm, I don't know how to feel about it. So they just sort of were more standoffish. But I, you know, I assume that's a form of respect. So, you know... It's like a bear, you know, you gotta have respect for things that you don't understand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, otherwise, otherwise it'll come yeah, at you. Yeah, I mean, the <laughs> fact, kidding. again, just the fact they're doing it, I was talking about it with my friends yesterday, and the fact that most of these people are, do probably get kind of, like, harassed and bullied for wearing this stuff, and they just don't give a fuck, and they're confident enough to do it, Ooh. and even though that's kind of outside the realm of a lot of the sort of experimental fashion that I engage with when I look at, you know, designers who I kind of really respect and think are wild, so, like, certain Craig Green pieces, or some crazy kind of gothic rick pieces the stuff that i understand a bit more but it's the same principle of like just wearing right. it and not giving a fuck what other people think of you and like tying it back to archive fashion again you know you will realize that the people who aren't truly into it for the aesthetic and are into it for kind of the clout chasing or because they want to seem kind of rare and cool and part of the in crowd those are the people who are probably going to drop these pieces right. in a couple years because they think they're corny they're boring now but I'm waiting on I'm waiting on Depop. Yeah. And I can't wait till they forgot what they paid for it because they didn't keep track oh my of that. God, yes. So they're just gonna start listing it for like a couple hundred yes. or whatever. And you're like, okay, you gotta you gotta keep an eye because I find a lot of weird things. Like we we talked about this before about like the hunt and the search yeah. or whatever. But you gotta you gotta be checking weird tags. Like miss sometimes misspellings will be helpful. But I think yeah, that's true. Most of the time that that's been fixed by like by like simple algorithm. I think I've noticed like. Even on eBay, they fix that where it's not like misspelling it will bring up a whole different set of searches. It's the same. They just know people like are bad at spelling, so they just sort of put it in the same main search. But um, but yeah, like like if you're looking for pants, I literally found a pair called Attico pants. Hmm. That's it, like Attico pants, like nothing else. They worded and labeled the the like date or whatever, and they certainly didn't check the market value because if they did, they wouldn't have listed them so cheaply. So, and they were from like a different country. It was in the very bottom of the list wow. um, on like the Depop thing. So it was really a find and I, I'm, and the picture is terrible too. So the other thing is you have to know very well what this yes, thing looks yeah, like yeah. in real life as well. I, I, I think that's the thing is <laughs> you need to be able to do your research, know what things are, are worth. And even if you're buying for yourself, if you're buying to resell, like you need to have a real knowledge of what you're looking for, um, including like, oh, is it fake or not? As well as just, is it from oh, this yeah. designer? What season is this from? Like the the most kind of like quote unquote archive piece I have is probably a a Yoji blazer that I have from Autumn Winter '91. Oh, it was the one that guy didn't know didn't know what he what yeah he, he, was selling, he right? didn't know 
I think I maybe I mentioned this in like the first episode or something. Um, oh yeah. But he didn't know what he had basically because it was on consignment from this really old like Yoji collector. He was just downsizing his closet, and he was telling me like, "Oh, this is from this is this is from like Yoji's collection in the seventies." And I was like, "Yoji didn't have collections in the seventies." But I didn't tell him that because I didn't want him to Google it. So I was like, "Yeah, yeah, you're right. This is from spring summer seventy eight. And I was like, "Sure, yeah." Stupid. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I got it for like an incredibly cool price. I'm like, I'm I'm trying to sell it now. Like, you know, there's no shame Ooh, in that. You know, wow. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to get get eye, you know guys. get get the bag for it, but. Again, uh, that's because I went into this, and that's not online. I went into an archive store in person in London called um, La Homme Designer Exchange, and I saw it like behind the counter, and immediately I knew what it was, and I went for it. Um, just because you know, if you have that knowledge, if you have that back catalogue of like these are the these are like the most popular collections, this is what people want, etc. Mm-hmm. Then you can find these really cool pieces that a lot of people might skip over and not realize. Oh yeah, there's some brands that don't even get picked up in the U.S. Like, uh, yeah. what was one of them? Like, there was Para Jumpers. If Techwear is so big, if you guys saw the stuff that Para Jumpers makes, specifically the vests, I have like three, I have four vests yeah, in I've each heard color. Of jumpers. Right. Well, yeah, because you're out of the U.S., but anyone in the U.S. would be like, "What are you talking about?" So mm. Para Jumpers is, is like actual research, like tech gear, real tech stuff, like better than than our tricks or whatever. Wow. Our, Architerics, or however you say it, um, they—it's it's better almost. I mean, that's lightweight mountain mountaineering gear, but this is like heavyweight, um, like snowstorm stuff. But but the the vests and the jackets are very wearable, and a lot of people outside the U.S. wear them. But and if if a rapper wore it on any sort of thing, it would be going crazy because the amount of hardware and the amount of like details and and construction on these on these things you're getting for a hundred dollars is ridiculous. And if people were into it, they'd be going up for five, six hundred. Like I can see the vests I have because of how nice. Like if if they were as popular as I think they should be, it would be a uh, you'd be have a hard time finding these things. But it it's mm. it's sort of like being ahead of it by. When you do things on your own and for yourself, you end up, you know, just sort of falling in love with random things that you that you fall down these rabbit holes of yeah. seeing. Like I don't even remember how I found pair of jumpers. I think I was looking for a vest, and I found that, and I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And I and I just kept finding different colors for pretty cheap, mm. and I I collect them now. I just have four, and I'm like, okay, we're gonna. Those are my four. We're done now. But it it was just <laughs> interesting. So when you do things for yourself, you're always going to be ahead of it, and you're always going to be ahead of that like fashionable crowd. And um, there's a couple of people I follow that I I can see w- they're stuck on on that kind of oh, hype damn. beast, same kind of silhouette and same kind of outfit. And and it's it's good to do it for yourself, but uh, you also have to think about if you're a content creator now, you know how do you evolve and change that. Yes, yeah, so I think one of the other really interesting things about the archive market, and this is something we've seen especially in recent years, partly through mm-hmm. TikTok, but also through just certain archive stores. And I don't, I'm going to try really hard not to name names here because uh, some of these people I still do have a lot of respect for. But there are certain archive stores, and one in particular, one of the most popular archive stores in the world, who essentially have or are trying to have the market power to dictate what is archive and what is cool. In the same way mm-hmm. that, you know, kind of, I want to say still, but more so back in the day, you know, people like Kanye and Rocky and Travis would, if they wore a brand, it would just become cool. Like, that is just how it works, basically. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, these just, these archive stores, or this archive store is trying to basically say, like, if I put it on my store, it's cool. Like, you guys right. should buy it. And we are seeing a real big attempted slash partly successful market manipulation of certain brands 
like um one of the ones that I see a lot is Marie Francois Gibault, if you know their stuff. Um I don't know if they're still going actually, but they have I mean they have a really cool archive of stuff. It's it's a really interesting style. Um and especially denim and pants, like some really cool stuff back in the day, like lots of sort of cargo style and denim style jackets and tops and stuff like that. Um mm-hmm. but there's it it used to sell for, you know, let's say a pair of trousers would probably sell for sort of forty, fifty pounds. And now right, they're being right, listed right. for sort of three, four hundred dollars by these archive wow. pages who are trying to kind of manipulate the market and, and make it popular. It was more expensive than at retail, but it was, you know, it was like any kind of secondhand on non-hype brand where there's just not really a, a, a resale market to it. But it's being bought up for, you know, fifty dollars for a pair of pants and being listed for three, oh, four hundred. Re- yeah. And that's that's the problem. And, and and there was some other kind of similar brands that it was happening to as well. I think Catherine Hamner as well. Um, another relatively slept-on but really interesting brand that I don't think is still going around. But yeah, bought up and tried to be resold. Same with Oakley, massively as well. Like people Oakley, are really trying yeah. to make Oakley super hyped and expensive and popular when it just kind of isn't. Um, right. And Mandarina Duck as well. These are all cool brands. Like there's no hate to the brands, and not even really hate to uh, the people who are kind of trying to resell it. But it's no, yeah, it's not definitely even market manipulation. So here's an interesting thing about that. I've talked to stylists because, you know, I kind of have that that vibe around here where I, I get answers mm. to questions, but I don't really get the work. Like, the, the, I don't get paid to do a lot of things. I'm just sort of around and I get to ask questions and it's nice. But right. I get told um, that when before someone's going to style someone really massive and they know there's going to be an outfit that works, they'll just buy up a lot of the, the same exact piece. No because way. If they're styling, if they're styling so, yeah, it's true. If they're styling someone mm. really big, they'll get like eight or whatever of that thing, and they'll like list them on different accounts, and they'll like because it's just why not, right? You know, you're gonna be putting it in the limelight. You know, it's gonna be dressed on this guy who you're styling, yeah. who you know his his fan base is very into that. So of course, you're gonna take advantage of it if you have the because they know because they determine what gets popular. They're the ones who determine what you see on these people. So of yeah, course, yeah. like it would just seem kind of stupid to not do that because you're wow. the one making the decision. So yeah, it's like insider trading, but there's nothing illegal against it because it's just buying and selling of a certain good. That's um, so interesting. What the hell? Right. I thought you would find that very that's interesting. Literally, like, I, that's literally insider mind, trading right? in the fashion industry. What the fuck? I mean, it's kind of, it's not really that. It's kind of the same principle as just um, brands paying celebrities to wear their stuff people buy more of it do you know what i mean of course yeah of course but then like you get to you get to be specific about it and you get to hold yeah, all yeah. of one piece that doesn't exist anymore and you could be like i have them all i'm yeah, that's true i have them all <laughs> but it, it it's scary i mean it can be i guess but it doesn't i don't think every stylist does that i just think the hmm. ones that maybe you're like strapped for cash and like or get, like made a big break or whatever like i don't know i don't yeah, have time for all of that honestly unless they just buy it up and then and like have someone else sell it for them or whatever but yeah you know i I have no clue they have an assistant they're like that's your job you go on grail <laughs> you list the things that we just posted yeah uh, but that that's probably the least scummy thing that we know about honestly there's a lot of scummy stuff going on oh in general, the fashion industry has terrible 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 practices it's dark in as hell in one ways yeah but i'm gonna use the word materialism here but it's materialism sure. not in terms of like just buying lots of stuff but it's materialism in terms of like analyzing an object or like a commodity from purely material terms as in what is the labor that went into making it basically and i think you're right in saying that fashion used to be a lot more practical in that sense because it used to really just be about like does this function for what i want it to do like 
does this suit help me get the job? Is it made from like a relatively breathable material? And is it made right. by a relatively good tailor? Yes. Okay, cool. And now we've moved from materialism to, I guess, what I kind of want to call like idealism Brand in a way. Worshipping. Yeah, like commodity fetishism or like idealism, where we've kind of not imposed, but we've imbued these physical objects, like these garments, these fashion garments, with a mythology and a story and a philosophy behind them. And that's not a judgment value. Like, I, I kind of love doing that. I love reading about the inspiration behind collections, the mythology of them, as well as thinking about when do they come from, what material is used, etc. But you're definitely right that kind of archive fashion hinges on this idealism and this story, this narrative, this mythology that we put into clothes, more so than the objects themselves. For sure. I mean, I think a lot of people, we're, they're getting more used to looking at the clothing objectively, like the way you're talking about the cost, the material and everything. Um, but I still think it's a pretty big leap when you're introducing them to a brand they're not familiar with and that they don't have that history with and in general you know you've never i've never heard of universal works outside of my store you know for like in in florida i haven't heard of ymc that much because it's just not it's not something we see in our daily lives so yeah it's important to include that kind of backstory to people because it really sets the tone and it kind of relates it to the other things they're familiar with and and a lot of times new is scary i guess especially for american people so (laughs) it's the aura of it is sometimes important, and uh, but I don't think overpaying for something like if you look at the labor involved and, and every, everything, I don't think it's a, it's good to pay three times the price because it's sort of you know rewarding the behavior um, mm. in a way, and I I I think it's important to look at what you have and and list it at what you think it's valued at, and not necessarily yeah. trying to get the last dollar out of anyone who is interested in this thing like everyone likes a reasonably priced item and and it'll sell faster and yada 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 so in general um there's actually a really interesting philosophy like in greece it's like the greek idea of forms where it's like the idealized versions of people that you can never you can only strive to be but you can never attain um where it's like cleanliness is close to godliness you know it's like it's like beauty is close to you know doing certain things would make you beautiful but not being beautiful like it's certain actions and certain characters and certain unattainable archetypes that we could that we can only yeah, yeah. try to be so i guess clothing in that way can be very what do you say you're donning like a whole different aesthetic every time you wear something you're sort of adopting that thing's energy so in, in general like of course we're going to mystify something that we're so close to because humans have a pretty uh. good track record of idolizing items and idolizing like gold and whatever i mean think about tulips remember freaking tulips and whatever oh gosh yeah yeah like the dutch like the dutch tulip (laughs) thing yeah 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 because they're only produced in 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 dutch so the way that that's i found that out recently but i i guess it was something everyone knew because it was that whole craze where something's made in one place and then everybody wants it so it's like nfts literally it's like nfts it's physical nfts and we're cool with it because they're real items that we exchange money for and get a physical thing but um yeah some people have shed that i don't i don't know the the realm of forms thing is interesting though like that philosophy of like we're donning these clothes to kind of live up to this ideal that we have in our heads of either how we should look or kind of what this piece of clothing says about us like when we wear certain archive fashion it could be like we're trying to reach this like ideal form of kind of you know archive historian kind of culture appreciator person when people are wearing these clothes there is definitely 
a kind of performativity to it where they want to kind of signal to other people like and it's not just a wealth thing it's not just like oh i have the money to flex on this thing because if if it was just that they'd be wearing you know iced out rolexes or whatever it's not just that it's also a kind of level of culturedness like hey i know about ccp i know about raf autumn winter zero three i know about Yoji autumn winter 91 and i wear this stuff and i can signal to the people in the know that like not only do i have the money to afford this but i know what this is to begin with absolutely it's definitely on the on the thing of nfts except that the issue is everybody knew what that was and hated you for it because the nft thing was like really crappy art that you could tell a mile away is nft yeah they yeah. had an nft uh convention next like near my store and i was like you i wanted to ask i'm like y'all y'all still doing this like you know what i'm saying like i I don't want to be rude but this is like last week and i'm like bro it's over like i don't i don't know but in in general it i think you can avoid getting caught up in this hype and all these things just by wearing you have to just the only way to be content you know in your journey without sort of seeing other people and being like wow their stuff is so rare and so special is is sort of collecting your own and make it like attributing meaning to your own things like you can yeah, learn where yeah. the thing is from and you can know all these facts but you know if i can't see the real reason why you wore it or your your maybe like personal aesthetic doesn't necessarily match it might be like questioning whether it's you, really you or if you're just once again yeah. putting on an act for the people when you go outside the house like i'm notorious in, in real life for being the same as i am outside of work as i am in work um it's yeah i don't know how to like put on a act or whatever i'm always the same person like you're never going to get a different me i mean i'll try to focus and you'll see it but at the end of the day you're you come up to me and ask me a question i'm going to answer the same way whether i'm at school or whether i'm at home or at work or whatever i don't know i don't know how to do that so i guess people in general to me it's always been a form of self-expression so when people attribute all these different like hype beast things or they they're wearing stuff and and I don't necessarily see the real love for it besides outside of the fact that they 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 feel special for having an item that they they feel is special um I yeah. it, it does it kind of eludes me a bit because I'm just like oh I just wear what I think is cool so I find all these things that eventually get ironically kind of popular later and I'm like you know I kind of give myself kudos for that but at the same time I'm like you know I just found this on my own just because I'm searching and looking and whatever. And, I, yeah, and I'm just exactly. interested. I'm not trying to, you know, perform a certain way or make a certain aesthetic, you know, like I, my outfits change so much from one to the next, but I still feel like it's me. That makes sense. So yeah. yeah. Like, I hope I wish for that for everybody so that we're not caught up in all of these like little weird battles. Yeah. I mean, it, it's so important to have that sense of self with style and to be aware of where all of your influences are coming from. Like, being true to yourself is incredibly important but i think that also like that phrase gets thrown around a lot and you need to really investigate like what is yourself and what is your style like what do you genuinely feel comfortable in like wearing so for example i realized one thing i've realized this year especially is like i've started really really liking or being interested in a lot of balenciaga silhouettes and styles especially kind of like Mm -hmm. oversized kind of like Especially like oversized tracksuits and sportswear and stuff like that like stuff that not only i've never been interested in before but stuff that doesn't even fit into my wardrobe, really. And the thing is, I think I've realized, like, the reason I like that is not because I necessarily think it's going to look great on me or because it's really part of my personal style, but it's because I kind of like the general aesthetic and aura associated with that, you know, like, the techno music and the the movies and the rave scene and stuff that's kind of associated with that aesthetic more than the clothes themselves. 
You've got to kind of question sometimes, like, if you suddenly have this style shift, you've got to, like, it's important to question, like, hey, I wonder where this comes from. For sure. Be like, did I watch it? Like, I played Red Dead Redemption, and that that really, (laughs) you can see. And there's a certain era of my clothing, you go back, and you're like, oh, yeah, no, she was playing Red Dead every day. I mean, there's no way. Because I I was so into it. I wanted to get, and I still, I, I always say this, my biggest regret is not buying, or not saving up enough money at one point in time to buy, like, the the $5,000, which is now $20,000, the Chrome Hearts roller, 10-pound roller belt, the special rare or whatever, the one that was, it was listed on Grailed, and I, for years, you know, I was sitting there, and I just didn't do anything about it, but boy, it would have made the sweetest cowboy outfit ever, but I still have a oh, lot of wow. stuff from that cowboy, that cowboy era, you know, like, I have a lot of things, and I, and that's why I love keeping this stuff, is because I follow these weird you know, but it's a lot of vintage stuff, so it's not it's not all like designer. But I, I get to mix it, so you get these like really weird old vintage silhouettes, and then you get like a YSL shirt, and you put those two together, and it's like very it's just a very interesting conversation. But yeah. it, I think it's good to follow your bliss and follow your excitement, and um, eventually, once you have not really have it all, but once you have a bit from each sort of like i have purple pants that are normal purple purple pants that are for tech wear purple because you just can't wear some of these things don't work with other things but once you have a a big enough wardrobe like or i wouldn't say big enough but i would say like cultivated like you're able to you're able to mix these things once you get into other things yeah curated is the word there you go curated uh closet to choose from you're able to mix these things because you know you pick them for certain reasons and those reasons may not become evident at first but when you line everything up you can sort of see exactly why you picked it um and it it makes it a lot easier to match those things but if you know i when in doubt go by color if you're really having a hard time try to go by color um but still in in general i i think there's a lot to be said about following those weird reasons why you might be interested in something because you know life is a journey and we're always going through phases and yeah i I think if you don't follow your bliss you're going to be caught up in the crowd paying more than you should for stuff you don't really want in the end yeah yeah absolutely and that and that kind of ties into again to like sustainability in fashion and archive fashion where right even though these aren't clothes you're going to kind of throw away and put in the landfill like even for your own wallet sustainability like Make sure you like something before splashing thousands and thousands of dollars on it, especially oh. if it's part of the, if you're buying into a general trend cycle where the prices of these things are going to skyrocket anyway, you're probably not going to be selling it for what you paid for it at the peak of that trend cycle. So always be wary of that Certainly. and think about what you're spending. I got some Prada loafers the other day for 80 bucks, dude. Like, oh, like shit. solid, nice. nice. They're newer too. Like they're, oh, yeah. I have to get some insoles for them. They're a little big, but whatever. And I could resell if I want to, but yeah. I, I think they're such a beautiful loafer. I, I don't think I will. I, I just want to keep them. Yeah. But um, it's it's just interesting. You'll just find these weird things that maybe, like no one else got them. It, it's been, the market was open all day. Oh yeah. Okay. So whenever I'm thinking of the price of something, and it's like a couple thousand dollars. I look to the CCP thing I have that was initially like a grand, the two two point five or so. Um, and I look at that and I think to myself, like, well, is this a good as good of quality as CCP? Because, like, I try to compare it to that because I think the quality and the price are pretty darn matching when it comes to that brand. So mm. if you're looking, I think that's a good brand to reference. Like, is this worth a CCP pair of shoes? Like, do I? Well, like even though it's not the same thing, it's it's like it's like I I don't they put they put their whole ass into it and some places maybe don't. So I think it's important to like compare it. 
I wouldn't say, well, that's the thing. Yeah. I wouldn't say that like price and quality are necessarily always going to be kind of completely, completely in line. I, cause I think with quality, there's kind of two, there's two elements to it. One is kind of uh-huh. pure quality of construction, but two is kind of the experimental side of things. Like how experimental oh, yeah. and out there are they doing it? Like how special is this construction or this fabrication, not just quality? Cause if you want super high quality mm-hmm. clothes, like, Go to Laura Piano or or Zenia or yeah. someone like that, and just buy whatever or Brut or Brunello Cuccinelli. Like go to those guys. Right, they're using right, right, the best right, fabrics Cuccinelli, in the yeah. world. They're using like Vicuña wool and stuff. But if you want interesting experimental stuff, that's when you've got to branch out to obviously all the brands we talked about today. And right. I think CCP is a good example because of course it's phenomenally expensive, but it's also pretty much the best leather in the entire world. Some of the most experimental right. construction practices in the entire world. Exactly. Pioneering a lot of these things, handmade in, in Milan. Like, it's really incredible. And yeah, it's expensive as fuck. There are people doing similar things for much cheaper, but CCP is a good, is a good benchmark to have for all of this. What, what, do we, like, what do you feel like people are missing, you know, from their wardrobes? I, I feel like, in general, I think it's important to focus on, I think nowadays, tailoring. Because remember that? Heidi Slimane pioneered that era. And now we're just, like, back to... I, I appreciate that we're not so focused on tailoring, like the early 2000s and stuff, where things have to fit you and you have to have low-rise jeans or, you know, have to have things that compliment your body so much like i'm glad we're kind of moving past that but at the same time i think there's a certain there's a certain language to tailored items i was gonna say i think tailoring or i think just kind of structuring clothing is something that's really missing and i guess it comes back right. to kind of you get it. speaking in very very broad terms the fact that obviously kind of y2k street style aesthetics are still really popular obviously it's dying down a lot but it's still really popular uh, again we're missing interesting construction in mainstream fashion and a lot of people are focusing more on kind of graphic details and logo details not to say those aren't important but kind of mm-hmm. the more the more frilly aesthetic elements or accessory elements than key structured parts of clothing um and tailoring is a good example whereby you can you can dress it up or dress it down you can still have oversized tailoring or very tight tight tailoring like eddie slamane it's just about finding what works for you and what works for your aesthetic but have things that get fitted like the fact you're taking stuff to your tailor is so good because it's important oh, to yeah. To, to, to give yourself clothes that really really fit your body and aren't just made for kind of fit model sizes and it gives you um a chance to like reappreciate the things once they're tailored you can see like i have pants that are kind of are too tight but i'm bringing them in like just around the legs so i'm bringing them in to get them loosened but then now i have a pair of pants that i haven't been able to wear in years that i get to bring back into my closet and they're leather and they're beautiful and they're this and that but you're also supporting small business and you're also like getting to interact with the clothes more and you're you're becoming part of that process more so than just buying something setting it aside whatever like some things aren't worth tailoring so in that point i'm gonna sell and i i've I've sewn things and edited i could hem things myself whatever but i want to see it done professionally and then i want to like dissect the work and just sort of determine the way i want to do it um because there's a few ways to hem things it's not just one way there's a way to keep some of the fabric so you can loosen it later which i really like i like that a lot if you get your stuff tailored, I would always ask them to try to keep a couple inches of the hem that it would usually cut off and tuck yeah, it inwards. Definitely. And so, yeah, a lot of places don't. So they'll just start chopping and, and, and also try to ask for the fabric they take off because it's just worth I like keeping the scraps for stuff. Um, like I, I don't want to get rid of certain textiles or I can use them as swatches later on if I want to show them what kind of fabric I want. I say, give me something like this, but blue or whatever. Um, and you have a piece of it to show them. You don't have to describe it or source it or whatever. 
Um, and I love that a lot. But uh, yeah, mm. tailoring is important. Uh, it's important to interact with your local community. And um, I think it's important to make sure stuff fits you because you appreciate it much more when it complements your body that way. It definitely, it definitely, definitely does. And I think people are going to slowly wake up to that kind of like the basically the joy of tailoring even in more casual and streetwear aesthetics like the fact that demna's latest collection was basically all suits and tailoring um i think it's quite telling for where we might see i don't want to say streetwear but at least popular fashion heading in the next few years i really hope so yeah yeah certainly and deconstruction's coming back in a big way and i love that that's always been who doesn't love a deconstructed sandwich, deconstructed waffles, deconstructed <laughs> clothing, all the same. Love it all. It's all good. Delicious. Um, but, but we're leading into a uh, spring summer here. And, and uh, I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of different stuff other than uh, what we're used to seeing during summer. Like, do you have any examples for what you're expecting to see over there in the UK? Let me think. That is a good question. I think I'm always worried to make trend predictions because I feel like I'm in a little microcosm. I think like everyone is in a kind of microcosm yeah. of fashion. Um, but in terms of making trend predictions, where are predictions, you going? What are you doing for? Yeah, summer? that's a good. That that's like a good question. At least I know what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, I think that yeah, at I'm least gonna, I know what I'm fucking doing. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with tank tops. I think I'm finally confident enough to mm-hmm. wear tank tops in summer, especially now wow, that I have like tank top here. fun tattoos. So I want to show them off in the sun. Yes. Um And I have a couple of tank tops now that I really like, especially my Pergotherson doily vest, which I'm probably gonna be wearing a shit ton this summer. Who give me interesting tan lines. Um, and then also skirts. Like I've realized skirts are insanely comfy and flowy in summer and just like very breathable, very light. So definitely gonna go for them. Um and then other than that, I don't think I have many I don't think I have many spring summer clothes, which is kind of the problem. Like I need to get some nice, <laughs> fun, kind of oversized but kind of loose linen shorts. Linen, yeah, that's big. Linen's big. It's coming yeah, back. linen linen slaps. Linen and Siyasaka, great underrated Yeah, those materials. are two things we've been getting a lot of this spring and summer, which is stuff that I, I'm finally seeing people in Miami wear. It's like this whole family that came in decked out in linen. Their kids were dressed in like linen sets, like every kid. And they were like so calm and respectful. They were like the perfect little family. They were all wearing like their little outfits. It was, it was actually adorable. But in general, um, I'm going to be doing like mesh knit tops. Um, I have a lot of those, but I'm going to be hand dyeing some or using natural dyes. Uh, there's like a mosquito net shirt from like the military for 10 bucks, $15. I'm going to take them and like dye a couple of them and, and resell. Maybe I'll resell some. I want them to be like rust colored and sage colored because I think they're really cool colors. And I, I like natural dyes a lot. Yeah. Um, I might use squid, squid ink or something because squid ink has such a nice, uh, the way it lays and you can do multiple dyes. You can over dye some areas and not others, and it's mesh, so it'll look really interesting. Um, but then I also want to make tank tops. Like, I want to actually physically sew them for my store because they're not that hard. Um, I just, the patterns, uh, sewing the the part around the neckline to keep the fabric from fraying is, is always kind of frustrating because it's like a really thin, maybe half an inch area that you have to sew upon. But uh, that's something that you would have to deal with if you're constructing clothing. Uh, we're usually just talking about wearing it. Yeah. So in my case, uh, I'm doing shorts and I, I sometimes layer shorts with like thinner pants or whatever. Um, just cause I'm like, I like the, I, I know we, we layer tops, but we don't always layer bottoms. Um, yes. And layering like bottoms is so fucking cool. Like when I Isn't see people layering skirts over trousers and giving wraps, doing like apron, yes. apron wraps over pants. And it's just, it looks so fucking good. And it's an art to pull That's, it off well. I'm talking about aprons. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's going to be, I hope to see that in summer or just kind of more in general. Like there are certain 
really small brands and really small stylists and designers who I see doing that and it just looks insanely cool um one brand that I will shout out and I'm going to bring this up again and again because they are criminally unknown and underrated is Petricor so it's Pet Tree and then KOR Chinese brand contemporary Chinese brand and they do layering especially like layering on the bottoms like no no one else it's absolutely incredible incredible stuff so definitely check them out and in general the the vibe of spring summer i don't know um you know wgsn went over a lot of trends it went over like soul space creative reset um like the eco tech stuff where it's like you know very focused on the earth but very focused on tech where uh like ranra is a good example yes yeah you know tech where dyed with with uh, natural dyes very cool and the silhouettes are great and i think um not Amika and our legacy have been taking a page from that recently because there are some like we have pants that are dyed brown but then over dyed black so it's like a black brown it's hard to explain oh that's sick yeah irid- a little iridescent and it, it also is cargo pants but they get taken in at the knee so the knee is skinnier and then it, it so on both it's like an hourglass shape like on the top part it's wider and then it tapers in then tapers back out at the bottom and they're really pretty and i love them um but uh, in general, like that kind of thing where where you'll see, I think, mostly warmer colors this summer because mm. we're past a lot of the maybe blues and green, green. Greens, warmer colors and natural tones seem to be the kind of vibe. Uh, but I just think most people don't really want to go bold. Most people want to be a bit understated, even fashion world. Like, there's a reason why even among like archive spaces and anything, the main color palettes are you know, black, brown, black, brown. grain basically and yeah. sometimes a bit of green sometimes a bit of blue but really mostly just like very monotone and earthy colors and it still looks great but it's it's very easy to style it's very versatile so yeah it's it's somewhat rare that people kind of venture out into these very bright bold colors all right guys thanks so much for for tuning into the podcast this one might be a little short compared to usual no problem um next time we'll have hopefully a guest on for you But either way, thank you so much for tuning in, and um, I hope you have a great rest of your fashionable day. Thank you so much, guys. We will catch you next time. This has been the Loose Threads podcast with me, Alfie. And me, Julie. See you guys. Have a good one. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.